piece of music we're listening to is called Mad Heights. It's a fast tempo, hyperactive and energetic theme with an eclectic sound palette, including violin, LFOs and beats. It was originally written as an experiment in unusual production techniques. You're listening to How I Make Music, a weekly podcast for the musically curious to go behind the scenes of composition for storytelling in a digital era. Every Wednesday, we break apart one of my own compositions and investigate the stories and insights into how it was made and its effect on listening ears. My name is John Bartman. I'm a music composer from South Africa, and this is How I Make Music. back and thanks for tuning in to How I Make Music, episode 44 this week, Mad Heights, a crazy violin beats mashup. Regular listeners of the show know how it works. I take a composition that I've written and I break it into parts, commenting and offering insights on different production and composition techniques. Always a lot of music and as little talking as possible. So the format is very musical. A reminder for those into the show, you can leave a comment on YouTube, head over to YouTube, search How I Make Music Podcast, you'll find me there. I encourage you to leave a comment, let me know what you like or don't like about the show, and I'll be happy to incorporate that. So let's kick it off. This week's soundtrack, if you were to describe it in one word, it would be hyperactive. I wanted to create a sense of jitteriness, almost anxiety, but a very positive and uplifting sort of hyperactivity. To convey this hyperactivity musically, I decided to go with very erratic sounding parts. And by that, I mean stuff like this. What you're hearing is called an LFO, low frequency oscillator. It's an electronic instrument. And what I'm hoping you'll notice is that there isn't actually a pattern to the wah 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 sound. It kind of comes and goes organically, and that's because I was tweaking the knob manually instead of using a mouse to draw automation lines. Before computers, this was the only way to get this kind of sound, and I find that nowadays we're uh, pining for things that existed before computers and outside of the realm of computers. That's where we're finding a lot of beauty. It's often harder work, but I feel that having these long passages without obvious repeats makes it stand up to repeated listening. The track kicks off with those two chords and that wavy oscillator going all over the place. The oscillator sound, its actual timbre, is quite neutral though, so to raise the energy, I did what I call opening the door, which sounds like this. So again, we've got this organic wavy sounding LFO, but this time we've got a lot more high frequency. It sounds brighter and more exciting. It's the same effect you get when you're going into a noisy room and before you open the door, it sounds very muted and after you open the door, it sounds much brighter. That's why I call it opening the door. It's really just raising the value of a low-pass filter. Let's 
Let's move on to the piano sounds in this piece. There are two types of piano sounds. One is what you would expect a piano to sound like. And the other one is a much more rhythmic, stabby version of that, which we'll get to in a minute. The whole track is just two chords going from a C major. It sets up a lot of tension and it's quite a jump along the circle of fifths for the music theory buffs. You know what I'm talking about. Otherwise, go ahead and check out the circle of fifths. It's a useful theory tool. It's a useful theory tool. I'll link it in the show notes. In this record, I've used a slightly different, more honky-tonk piano sound, like this. Once I had recorded that simple two-chord progression going around twice, that was all I needed for the piano for the rest of the song. But one of the themes was hyperactivity, so I wanted that piano progression to be much more jittery and jump around. So I took that sample and split it up into tiny little pieces. I inserted that into a sampler, which I could use the keyboard to play back as if I was playing a drum. So what you hear now is a piano being played like a drum. Sounds super jumpy, like really nervous, a little bit anxious maybe. Unpredictable, erratic. These were some of the uh, moods I was trying to convey by doing this. I used to play that piece live and when I did I would use drum pads, MIDI drum controller pads to finger drum that piano part. It was super fun. As the track progresses, this part becomes a little bit more coherent and a pattern emerges, a rhythmic pattern. And here it is with the groove. Entire careers have been based on this technique of converting music recordings into playable drum samples. Jay Diller is one prime example, and it's quite often the case that drummers are drawn to this technique for their live performances. Let's talk about the strings in this track. This is a composite of eight violin parts that I recorded and they have a nice long legato flowing sound with a bunch of reverb on it. At the time that you hear that part in the track, it fulfills the role of being a background legato. Um, function. It fulfills this really supporting role. But I didn't want the violin to be limited just to that role throughout the track. At the time I wrote this I was teaching in Korea. I had a lot of spare time because I didn't know many people. And so I really got into the violin and I wanted to explore as many of the different bow articulations as I could. This was really just 
a journey inwards, I really wanted to explore this instrument, which I was getting some uh, technical proficiency on. So along with the arco bowing, which you just heard, I also recorded uh, tremolo bowing, which sounds like this. I had to throw in a pizzicato part to once again reinforce that anxiety and that almost that tension. Pizzicato sounds like that. Here we go. Got a lot of delay on it, it echoes outwards. This adds to the rhythm and also hides some of the mistakes. And finally, I recorded this, what they call detaché bowing, which is just really quick one note to a bow. This part serves the function of propelling the rhythm and locking the rhythm in. the pizzicato again so you can hear how they play together. It was great for me to be able to explore this instrument. When you're writing this kind of weird, offbeat, wacky music, you really shouldn't hold back. If there's anything you can do, it doesn't matter what it is, throw it into the pot because my experience of publishing music being a self-publisher of music for the last uh, couple of years, is that the internet is attracted to the weird stuff, not the average stuff. As much as possible, if you're doing the self-publishing route and you're not signed to a label or you're not uh, trying to please a gatekeeper, I encourage you to pull out all the stops, do the weirdest stuff you can, marry different concepts, marry different ideas. The best work is often the most difficult to explain. For me to turn around to somebody and say, I've got a breakbeat track with really organic LFOs, violin, guitar, and piano stabs. It sounds really offbeat and often it doesn't work. But if it does work, it absolutely thrills your audience. And that is what you're trying to do as an independent self-publishing musician in this digital age. Let's move on to the acoustic guitar in this track. I wanted to continue this pilgrimage of weirdness by not playing an acoustic guitar just exactly as it sounds. To get this right, I applied an LFO to the low pass frequency value, meaning that it created a wah-wah-wah sound, which could be timed to the rhythm of the track. Here's what I mean. That's triplets. Again, triplets. Ba, 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 ba. And now back to sixteenths. So there's variation in the rhythm of the LFO. Just two chords, harmonically not very interesting, but production techniques make it interesting. There are two more guitar parts in the song, both on that same chord progression. One accompanies a breakdown in the song, which is a vocal breakdown. It sounds like choir singing. And for that, I used just a straight up guitar strumming sound. We'll come back to that in a minute when I play the full breakdown section I mentioned. 
And the final guitar part is just a couple of stabs which reinforce the core rhythm but leave huge gaps in between them. So the guitar takes a step back for this part. Cool, time to step out of the comfort zone and play you uh, my voice mostly unedited, doing a two-part harmony, which is part of this choral breakdown in the middle of the track. Here we go. Sounds like it could have benefited from some auto-tune, but once again, I like to keep things as human as possible. I'm not sure exactly where that came from, but it sounded like um, something a bit angelic or heavenly perhaps. Um, the moment where the light breaks through the clouds and the madman realizes that he's not mad at all, that in fact he is in touch with the divine. I'm not sure, but I just felt necessary to firstly break the rhythm in the song completely and also just to bring some more harmonic complexity to this very simple song. So I created that choral interlude before we land back in the beats. Speaking of the beats, the groove in the song is super simple. It's a straight up breakbeat kind of groove with a sawtooth bass line, which creates a nice sharp sound. I love my sawtooth bass lines. Here we go. really doesn't get any more complex than this for the whole four minutes. A little bit of a snare roll there and you can also hear some high glitchy punches. To create some variety during this four minute process um, I included just a little break in the bass, and then when it comes back in, it has a little moment on its own, like this. That gets heard just before the beat drops again. But other than that, we've got a very simple groove, which doesn't change a lot. There's a lot going on in this track, and more complex does not necessarily mean better. If you've got a lot of complex stuff going on, you have to counterbalance that with some simplicity. And in this track, it was the groove that had to be kept simple. I used a fun electronic sweep sound to create variety in this track and to announce changes in the arrangement from like an A section to a B section. Here's how it sounds. Before we finish off, just two things. There is an artist that I got into at the time of writing this track called Lasse Jartsen, who made a video editing style called hyperactive editing. Sounds a bit like this. It had quite a big influence on this track, so if you're interested in writing anything like this kind of music, go check out the show notes and follow the link to Lasse Jartsen's video channel and uh, check out some of his stuff.
And secondly, I want you to watch a music video that I made for this track under the alias V minor. I don't promote videos often, I don't promote my own music profile, but there's a private video, well actually an unlisted video, which means that you can only find it when you've got the link. This isn't some marketing stunt, I really just want you to watch this video because it's nuts. It's got pineapples and ostriches and violins and shots of Table Mountain. I used an Ableton Live Max for Live visualizer plugin called Guns Graf, which allows you to turn music into polygons. Um, and I, I think if you're into this podcast, you'll enjoy it. So uh, I encourage you to check that out. And I'd love to know what you think of it. It was done quite a long time ago, but I'd be curious to see who's watching and who's interested. You won't find it in search results on YouTube. You can only find it using the video link in the show notes of this episode of my podcast, How I Make Music. Go to the show notes of this episode and look for the link to Mad Heights. One more time, I'm not going for views, I'm not going for play counts, and I don't really mind if you skip this one, but I think you'll enjoy it if you like this podcast. Head over to the show notes for this episode and follow the link to the Mad Heights video. I'd love to hear what you think in the YouTube comments. And that's about it for this episode of How I Make Music. We'll listen to the full track in just a moment, but before we do that, thank you for listening to How I Make Music. Catch new episodes every Wednesday on Spotify, Apple, wherever you get your podcasts. You can download the track from this episode, Mad Heights, from the music page on my website, johnbartman.com, J-O-H-N-B-A-R-T-M-A-N-N.com. I encourage you to use it in your own podcast or video production. Find links to me on Twitter and YouTube in the show notes. I love hearing from you, so search How I Make Music on YouTube and leave your comments on the show. That would really make my day. And now here's Mad Heights, a super offbeat, quirky, jittery, um, and jazz-influenced breakbeat track, soundtrack, um, in its entirety. Keep finishing your stuff, guys, and I'll catch you next week. <laughs>